to Seriously Pointless Conversations about Culture, your Seriously Pointless podcast about all your nerdy and geek things throughout the ages. Today, I have Jackie with me. How are you doing, Jackie? Oh, I'm alive. Yeah, I know. I know. We're stuck at home right now. We're not, uh, none of us are feeling good. We gotta stay home for a little bit, but, uh, it hasn't been too bad. I mean, honestly, I know you've been feeling kind of under the dumps. I know I haven't really felt anything, honestly, but, uh, but much like James, we, you got the Rona. You got the Rona. I usually yell at my students when they call it that. It's okay. I got COVID. Even though they probably gave it to me. That's okay. It's all their fault. But either way, though, I know you're getting you're feeling a lot better than you did the last couple of days, which is which is good. Um, So I know you've been trying to take it easy a little bit. So what have you been up to? I know, you know, I I know I know what you've been up to because we've been in the same house together for like the last five days. But like so tell everyone out there in uh, radio land, podcast land, what have you been up to? Um, recently, have you been reading anything? You've been watching anything? And what have you been up to? Um, I am. Well, we finished the Mandalorian season two yesterday. Yeah, we did, and that was very enjoyable. Um, I, I have nothing against Star Wars. Like it's fine, but I'm not like a huge fan, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, I like the. The movies back with Mark Hamill, well, the mm-hmm. original ones. I liked those three, but then after that, I was kind of like, eh. But I really enjoyed The Mandalorian, yeah. and that was really good. Um, you interested to see where they go in season three? I've actually, I know. I know. That'd be fun, won't it? Uh, yeah, I'm going to miss um, Grogo. Grogu? Grogu? Grogo, yeah. Grow but, um, and then go. That's how I always, I've heard it said, just okay, to make sure, but well, well, um, he might, he might be in season three for a little bit, I don't know, or might, they might skip him for the season, and just, or maybe they'll skip him, and then they'll just do like a Mandalore, like a straight, like, Mandalore-centered arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm curious like, with the dark to see saber what happened with the dark saber, yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I love the character of the Mandalorian, Din Djarin, right? I believe that's what his he, name is, actually, yeah. Just v- seeing um, how he's, he evolved in the series, and um, it was very emotional seeing him let Grogo go. That was really right. sad. It's okay. Um, we won't spoil who he lets him go to, because in case anybody out there hasn't seen it all the way through. Oh, it's wonderful. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice homecoming, a nice tying in with the... Uh, the were the I'd say the original trilogy. That's what I'm gonna call it. That's what I would. Call it was it. A, it was a good tie-in. I I, call I was it the only trilogy. Oh, look at you <laughs> being a little salty today. I like it, but um, but so that's what we've been up to. Um, I've been watching. Obviously, I was watching that with her. Um, and um, been reading a lot of uh, Dragon Ball, trying to catch up to it. I th- I'm almost done with the uh, third. Uh, giant uh, collection. collection, I guess so you would call it. It's like, I'm like it's like you're in number nine. Yeah, I'm in number nine in uh, in volume nine. I guess would be in, in there. So I've got that done. We're playing a lot. Of, obviously, you saw me earlier playing a lot of Hades. Um, just trying to keep myself busy whenever you know we're not watching the kids. So it's 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 nice to take breaks here and there. So it, it is what it is. So I'm getting <laughs> a lot of my stuff done during it, and I'm kind of staying up a little bit. But today. Um, speaking of how watch, how we enjoyed watching uh, characters evolve, one of our we're gonna go over one of our uh, my Jackie and I's probably one of our favorite uh, characters in literature, uh, contemporary literature at least, uh, Jim Butcher's Harry Dresden. 
Um, now, if you guys aren't familiar with Harry Dresden, um, this is a creator that was uh, a character that was created by Jim Butcher, uh, from uh, who's a literary author. He's done things um, such as the Cinder Spires, Codex uh, Alera. Codex Alera. But this was actually what have actually his first big creation, honestly, uh, that he ever did. And um, just a little bit of background. So uh, Jim Butcher was actually born in Independence of Missouri. Go Missourians. Uh, <laughs> in 1971. Um, and this is the first book. We're going to be going over the first book, uh, which is Stormfront, which is the, in, the first book in his uh, Dresden Files series, which was released in 2000. Um, and what do you know about uh, the first book? I know it's been probably a little bit since you've read it, but uh, I don't know how you are, but I like to kind of go back every once in a while, start the series again, and kind of try yeah, to go through it as much I've, as I can. I've read that first book at least twice, I think three times. Um, I mean... It helps that I looked over your summary, but I remember it like it's setting the groundwork for the series because Mm -hmm. I did read that Jim Butcher, when he started this idea, he wanted to make it a 20 book series. He did have that in mind. And that was his original thought. So this is like laying the groundwork for that. Um, I mean, I remember how it starts out with... Harry's crappy office and he talks about how he's the only wizard listed in the phone book in Chicago yeah um so so before we kind of get into that a little bit I know I know I'm not trying to get you to to do the whole summary of, of what happened <laughs> like that but but a lot of things happen I mean a lot of things happen in this first a one. a lot so of things happen this, in every book I know this is so this is a great <laughs> example his, his the stormfront is a great example of setting the groundwork for world building so he mm-hmm. takes he takes that chicago area and he just kind of like puts another layer over it so it's stuff that you know you can go and see probably you know like these kind of areas and places in the city well, we have that's one I reason i love it um and i know you've mentioned actually i didn't know on your summary how uh, butcher went to look for laurel k hamilton's um, agent and yeah. to talk to her because the dresden files remind me a lot of laurel k hamilton's work because i think it's a anita she's blake, anita Vamp- blake the vampire, vampire hunter, hunter. Yeah. and she's also a i think they call it an animator she can like um she revives corpses kind of like a necromancer almost yeah but it's it's, it's slightly it's it's slightly different yeah for her like people the families of the deceased will hire her to like bring the person back almost and just ask them um, questions about the will or what happened kind of like kind of like a seance almost kind of thing you know yeah but she brings the body back but it's more of just like a literal like i'm gonna bring this person back to life yeah so i i know i know you've read a few of them and i know your friend um devana devana She really liked him, but she talked about how Laurel K. Hamilton's another one where I think there's 20-something books, maybe. I only read, like, the first five. Isn't she still making them? I don't know if she's still making them. I'm not sure. I I lost track. I did enjoy the first five, and then I just kind of, like, petered off. Um, Devana had told me that it got to a point where she just lost Devana herself, didn't like it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then she said it like got really weird, but then she kind of, the last book she thought, Oh, okay. It's bringing it back. Like she likes how, how it is, but I, I haven't checked it out in so long, but she, it's set in St. Louis, Missouri. That's one reason I really (laughs) like that because it's all those places where, you know, we're not that far from there. And it's like, I've grown up around, 
and when this she, area, yeah, when she and talks I know about what things. she's talking yeah. about. Um, Absolutely. And I feel like that, it, it's very similar with um, Chicago and how uh, you know, Jim Butcher uses that. And you can tell, I mean, Jim Butcher, I don't know, uh, like the majority of his life, I know he was in Independence, Missouri, yes, like so... up until... So, a few years ago so, when he got divorced, and now he's in Colorado. Colorado. Places, which is, I mean, it's basically Missouri-adjacent. It's Missouri-adjacent, so it's a little bit uh, different. It's a little bit different climate, <laughs> obviously, but, I mean, he's still close enough different. to home to where, you know, you can he could pop by if he really wanted to. So, kind of talking about Jim Butcher a little bit. So, he actually came up with the idea <laughs> back when he was about 25 years old. Um, and he'd only he was doing it while he was uh, having a writing exercise for a writing course because at a younger age I guess he found out you know I'm not really up for this college thing so he just started I think he dropped out of college and started doing uh, a lot of writing courses because he, he wanted to be an author and so he really wanted to to, to forge his path and this is one of the characters that he he uh, wrote up and he did a, kind of a, a, a rough draft of. Stormfront, and did you actually catch what his uh, initial title for uh, Semi-Auto Magic? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that is a which is that's a super nerdy, geeky thing to like call. That's the kind of thing that I would probably come up with, like I'm gonna call it like this dumpy, dorky name for mm-hmm. something. And you could tell like this is somebody's first stab, but like I think this is cool, and then finding out it's not as cool as you think. Yeah, I like that title though. It. <laughs> It's a, I, think I it's, don't think it would be as powerful yeah. as if it was, you know, Stormfront. Like, I think that's a better title. Absolutely. So um, whenever he was uh, getting this uh, written and he finally got it done and everything like that, his um, actually his writing teacher, uh, when they re- he read over it, said it was unpublishable. Said it was an awful book. And Jim was like, well, in that case, I'm going to try and uh, get around that. And I'm going to try and get it published just to spite you kind of thing. That's what it sounded like more than anything. Because I listened to a couple of his interviews. And he's like a lot of uh, Missourians <laughs> are kind of hard-headed. And if you tell somebody that they're not going to do it and they're not going to achieve their dreams, they kind of dug his heels in a little bit. And Some people will do that. I know a lot of people do that, you know, especially, you know, you, have you noticed that like a lot of people, the, like the successful individuals, they really just keep at it and at it. Oh yeah. I mean, that's they, they, for sure. That's a hallmark to. of success is to I mean, not yeah. give up or I mean, that's, you know, to adapt, to change things. Well, that's any really big industry is it's more of an endurance uh, race as opposed to a sprint, honestly. And that's, mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of people don't understand that because you can get, unless you could, ex- if you get exhausted after your first year of writing things and you just don't want to do it anymore, it's going to be a little rough. But, uh, but anyway, so he actually goes and, um, uh, tries to get it published. Um, he actually, during, so he tries to go get it published over the next like two, three years, if I might remember. And, during this time, he completes the second novel, and then he also com- uh, almost completes, I think, the third novel, uh, which we'll go over on our later dates, hopefully. Uh, and he he actually uh, got a hold of uh, Laura, Laura Hamilton's... Laurel... It's Laurel Hamilton? It's Laurel. Sorry. It's Laurel Hamilton's agent, and uh, she was um, like, no, I don't really want to have this. You know, I'm not up, I'm not into this. But then he actually met with Hamilton herself at a convention, and they actually uh, got along with another agent. Um, 
and uh, got together with another agent by the name of Jennifer Jackson. Um, but then uh, her, uh, Laurel Clay Hamilton's uh, agent, Mainhart, I believe that's what her name was, uh, she actually agreed to represent him. And then after that, it's all downhill. It's all downhill from there. Rock gets a hold of the Dresden Files, and uh, yeah, after that, it's it's pretty much history. I mean, he starts uh, writing these things out like crazy. Um, luckily, he had uh, two and a half in the bag at the time, mm-hmm. and that is when the uh, best-selling or that it became a best-selling uh, mm-hmm. series of novels. Uh, starting with Stormfront, which happens to be, like I said, the initial one in the Harry Dresden files. So do you remember, before we, um, I know the initial uh, the initial kind of plot of the Dresden files is you, you go into Chicago and you meet uh, Harry Dresden, right? Mm-hmm. And what do you remember about that? Well, I remember... Um... This is in all his books, and I feel like it gets more intense as it's gone on. Uh, but so much is happening all the time. Very a lot of act- action and like fights and action and fights. And this one starting out is not as much, but that's actually one of the reasons I have a good friend named Tori who doesn't like the Dresden Files because she said. After reading the first three, it's like he should have died so many times. It's Absolutely. just too oh, much. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, oh, I still ends really up, enjoy does him. end up dying at one point. Well, so. don't spoil it. But <laughs> that book's been out not for really. like five years. Yeah, but it's not exactly dead. And <laughs> I'm not really. I'm not dead yet. Like, um, I remember that pretty early on in the book, he gets. Um, called in by the OSI Special Investigations Unit with Karen Murphy. Yeah, with the Chicago PD, yeah. Because there's been a very strange murder, and it's, if I remember correctly, it's, he can tell it was ritual magic, and the they made the heart, the it, person's heart explode. Their chest cavity is, Yeah, like, it's totally, ex- like, ripped explode, open. It's been exploded, exploded from the inside. Yeah, they're like, it was, WTF, like, really like, disgusting, and... I was like, that's cool. That's a great way to like start a book, you know, like yeah. we're going to, I mean, it's almost kind of like it's, he's kind of taking this formula that you see in kind of, um, uh, what's it? Law and order special investigations unit. And like you have this or like any cop drama and you take it and you, 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 you get the crime scene. They get the call. Hey, we've got a, we've got a murder over here, a homicide. And you go, you go to the scene, and you're just like, I've never seen anything like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. it's just like, how did he do this? And they, um, yeah, I, I like, because they set up Karen Murphy, too, as a good, strong character. But I like how she's mm-hmm. smart. Five, and five she, foot three, Karen Murphy. Yes, but she knows, like, because most, they talk throughout the book about, like, magic and how people write it away, like, mm-hmm. as... Because the real world doesn't want to accept that, you know, magic is around because that's too scary. And so people will ignore it and do insane things to make themselves ignore it. But Karen Murphy doesn't. Mm -hmm. Like, she's still skeptical, but she recognizes that this is real and I have to work with it. Because they put her on all the freaky cases. And so she sees all these things. And she calls Harry in as her consultant. Um and I think at one point they actually start, they suspect Harry 
of the murders yeah. because they're like, who else well, could one of the, do this? One of the other detectives, and I cannot remember, is it, is was it, it Rudolph? Rudolph? Rudolph is such an a-hole. I know. Yeah, There's for other reasons you end up really hating him later oh, on in the series. Oh, God. But it, it's... He's the worst. He is. He's very much like, a, you're a charlatan at first, you know, and I know you're, you're full of crap, and I know I'm going to come out. I'm going to get you eventually, Harry. Mm-hmm. And, he, and you can immediately know that he, like, just straight up despises Harry, and he's yeah. going to try and go after him no matter what. Even though some of the other guy, other detectives um, in the SI unit kind of like, oh, maybe he's just a crazy guy and, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. We'll, we don't really care all that much. Um, but there's a couple people along with Karen that actually respect him because they, they, they think they've seen what he can do. They've seen what he can do. And they kind of think that he's legit a little bit, but you kind of get that that builds a little bit more as you go on. And I don't remember Rudolph being in this one per se. Like I'm sure he was. I just, I vaguely remember that they accuse Harry and, um, even Karen is skeptical like of him. Mm Mm-hmm. But She's it's, kind of on the fence at this time. Yeah, but they don't really know each other that well yet. And um, it's just, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, like, as you go um, go through the book, he 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 is actually, it's kind of weird. Let's backtrack a little bit to the very beginning of the book. He actually gets hired by Monica Sells to try to find her husband, Victor Sells, um, which... I mean, spoilers. He ended up finding out that he's he's the bad guy at the end of the, end yeah. of the book, and because he's been missing, you know, and she's like, hey, you know, you know, just like um, every you know, no, you know, crime noir book, you know, what's a girl like you doing in my office, you know, kind of thing, you know, it's like you're waiting for the hat to pop on or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was gonna say, he really doesn't sound like that in my. Not mind. at all. Not at all. But you know, that's kind of that they set up a little bit. And some some lady that's husband has gone missing, you know. And he has to help her essentially uh, try to find her husband, and it all ends up in, in the end up in the end it ends up connecting. Mm-hmm. So as he goes through and and go he goes through he encounters kind of the world of magic out there. So he he in interacts with like vampires throughout this book, warlocks, um, obviously. Uh, and then you get introduced to like the the broader picture, the, these groups that they all belong in. He kind of mm-hmm. like starts sectioning, sex, sectioning out things like you run into the White Council, which um, is I don't think White Council is in this book yet. Yes, it is. So so you don't actually directly come in contact with the White Council. You come in contact. Oh, sorry, with, I thought you meant the White Court of Vampires. That's different. But yeah, yeah. the White Council. White yeah, Court is Morgan White Court is, is like second or it's third. It's like the third book. book. I can remember the White Council. You come in contact with okay, because sorry, at this point yeah. Harry still has the sword, the 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 sword, sword of, of Damocles. Dam- Damocles over his head. Yeah, right now. So. Um, and, uh, he's kind of on probation right now, I guess Mm -hmm. you would call it. And if he does anything stupid or violates the laws of magic, basically just kill him. They just kill him instantly, which is, you kind of run into one of my, one of, one of my favorite characters in the whole book, uh, Warden Morgan. Uh, he is just kind of like a by the book, Mm -hmm. like no BS kind of guy. And he's just like one day dressed in. I will find you whenever you slip up, and I will kill you. Yeah, and you're just he like, hates him so you're much. just like, dude, just like, 
pump the brakes. You're you're kind of uh, <laughs> you're kind of intense, and I yeah. like, but I like how he he writes him as a character in these books. So, did you have any like um, before we start really digging in? Do you have any like really special characters that uh, you you really enjoyed in this book, like initially? Um, I mean, I always really liked Harry because he's a complete nerd, yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's yeah. very resourceful and he's really humorous. Um. I like that the book is written in first-person perspective, mm-hmm. and I'm not always a fan of that, but I really like it with this one, and I guess just because Harry seems like the kind of person I would like to meet and hang out with. Um, I like Karen Murphy a lot, too, just because she's like a strong female character, and I remember Bianca in this book. I don't really like her. She's the Red been... Court vampire, the oh. main lady, and oh, I what remember I remember that. is... Harry ends up revealing her true form, which yep. the Red Court are very. Uh, their true form is pretty grotesque, giant bat thing, and then she it gets her feelings hurt. And Harry talks about how he feels like just a bad person because he hurt the lady's feelings, even though she's a complete monster. Yeah. Um, the. Like, there's just a lot of snippets that I remember in the books. A favorite character-wise would definitely be Harry. Harry. Yeah. And so he actually, um, going on that, he 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 actually runs into the, the Red Court vampires yeah. uh, while he's looking for... It's uh, one of the ladies that's actually killed. Uh, was mm-hmm. was killed at the crime scene. The velvet or, room worker, right? Yeah, she's she's, she's basically like, like a, a high end. Club. Yeah, she's like a high end escort, is what she is, and um, she goes to talk to her about that, and that's kind of where he interacts. And so, like I said, that's what you're saying is he does such an excellent job at weaving in these little things to like kind of push you towards these different types of groups and different types of individuals. Like um, learning, you actually get to meet Johnny Marcone in this book, which is kind of interesting. So, how you remember how he does that with uh, with with him at all? If not, I can explain uh, if you don't remember. No, but I mean, you should say that Johnny Marcone is the crime boss. He's like the giant mob boss. Yeah, he's like a mob that. boss in Chicago, and and whenever so Harry finds out that these uh, these people. Um, so some of these people that are, are taking, um, that are at these crime scenes, he's actually finding that they're, they're taking a drug called 3-I. And it's actually, he actually finds out that this is actually a, um, uh, a potion of sorts that allows people to have their third eye open, which do you remember, the, you know what the third eye well, is? Well, it's like the wizard's sight. It's when a wizard can choose when to open it and not because if you have it open all the time you'll go insane and die mm-hmm. basically and so but what does it do you remember well it lets you see things as they truly are mm-hmm. and whatever you see with your third eye open or with your wizard sight is with you forever yep. and it's like you can see the magical energies in the world you can see like a person's true nature you can see like everything it's very fascinating but just like a really deadly tool can be yeah and so whenever you they start manufacturing this this uh, three eye drug um actually find out that it's being manufactured by victor sales and cells yeah yeah, because initially well because initially he had been doing it to uh 
give it out as party favors at these orgy parties that he was having mm-hmm. because he was trying to, you know, he had started out saying, you know, finding out, he found out about magic and was just like, oh, this is, this is really cool, you know? And he found out that the more emotional energy that he created, so he was kind of tapping into this thing like the, um, uh, white court vampires do they kind of mm-hmm. get that using f- like lust and sexual yeah, energy yeah to they, power they, they start spells. to yeah they start to feed on that emotional energy and harry kind of explains in the book that emotions can actually help fuel your spells mm-hmm. to an extent he goes but the problem with that is it can become so uncontrollable that it can actually backfire and hurt your hurt you mm-hmm. if you don't watch it well and it's interesting because this is something brought up in the later books but Harry actually accuses the White Council, which the White Council is like the, it's the group of wizards, like the ruling body of wizards in the world, and they're supposed to be in charge of the laws of magic and govern magic, and he actually accuses them because they, part of the job that he gets eventually as a warden, which is what Morgan is, like a kind of police officer of the White Council, is to go find young warlocks and bring them to justice which, a lot of times killing them yeah, which warlocks are in, in 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 the in the magical world these wizards are wizards that have gone bad have gone basically. bad and broken the one of the laws of, of magic. magic but the problem is there's no there are so few wizards and there's no like school of wizardry you know hey thanks hogwarts could come in handy here but there's no there's no one to explain what the laws are and most of the time Harry even accuses, he said, we just don't have the resources, we don't go out, we don't find these people before it's too late, and they don't even know they're breaking laws. They don't even know what they're doing half the time. And so that's what happens with Victor Sells. I mean, he, as an adult, is like, well, still, you're making your own decisions and you know better. It's later on they talk about kids like teenagers who Which, are prime example yeah. they kind of go into Doing this a little things bit they don't even realize that they kind of go into that about harry's backstory which is they kind of say this is why he has the sword of damocles over his head is because he did uh, something he did something back they don't really bad that he didn't know what it was yeah yeah they develop it yeah, a lot de- more the, later and, and later on and they, and they find out that he actually killed another wizard that's all he kind of really, really said it said in there um mm-hmm. and he didn't he didn't know at the time that he wasn't supposed to do that. Well, and it's kind of, I mean, they talk about self-defense and things like that. And and it becomes more convoluted as this, as the years kind of go Mm -hmm. on and you get a little bit more on the backstory, but that's, you kind of find out, you know, Harry's actually extremely lucky that he's He's lucky. He's he's alive. He's alive. Yeah. I mean, they talk about you, when you get into the books, you realize there's the way things are that there's some connections that it's like they, you know, would not have let him die. But it is, there's a lot of good points brought up in the books. And I think one of the big ones is the whole thing about the young warlocks, young people who get magical talent and they're in a world that doesn't recognize magic. So they don't even know what they're doing half the time. And like they talk about one Asian boy who is basically destroying the minds of his family and he it's like does he really know what he's doing and they say at a point yes he made the choice but it's like if you're you don't recognize that magic exists no one around you recognizes 
recognizes that it exists mm-hmm. and you're doing these things and changing these things and breaking laws that you don't even know exist how yeah. can how can you, you fairly be, held, be prosecuted yeah, how for can that? you be held responsible essentially almost yeah you know it's it, very interesting it's a very and that's why i said he's really good at jim butcher's really good at laying the groundwork mm-hmm. of yeah, this to bring world. all this stuff in and it, it makes you just kind of you know really start to to wonder you know like uh, what about all the intricacies that are in, in within this world and start to well, say, you know, like, you know, well, how do they make up all these laws and how do they determine who lives and who dies? And they kind of go, they, they kind of start to move into this a little mm-hmm. bit more. And it's very intriguing to see uh, how things move around in this. It's almost like watching a, a, a clock kind of tick mm-hmm. a little bit. And, well, and you start to see that a lot more, especially with the white council and the white court and the red court and, you know, the black court, the black court or, the, you know, all these little factions that you end up finding mm-hmm. out more and more about as you go along. So can I make a point about technology? That's something. Oh, that, well, yeah, because yeah. I always told I always recommend this book and I recommend it to my students for the series. And I say that it's kind of like Harry Potter for adults. And I love Harry Potter. But one thing that always bothered me and my friend Katie, too, we had many discussions on this is technology is never mentioned. And my friend Katie was like, dude, I bet if Hermione and every well, no, she talks about what if they all use cell phones and they all use computers, and they can foil Voldemort that way. I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what any of that is because it's yeah. all muggle trash. But in the Dresden well, I mean, you Files... Get, you get people like Arthur Weasley that are, like, super interested yeah, in that but kind of it's, stuff. It's but not, it's, it's not widely, you know, explored in the but books. But they don't know. talk... Yeah, there's nothing... Like, they don't delve into it. Yeah. But here in the Dresden Files, from the get-go, he talks about how technology and magic do not interact and they explicitly basically magic destroys technology and so harry has to drive this old volkswagen beetle because he says anything after i think he says world war ii pretty much anything created after world war ii just gets fried in his presence and he um the more complex it is the more likely it is to get fried yeah even like taking elevators he doesn't like to do that because you know, the higher it is, the more likely it's just, you know, the thing is going to fry. Um, he can't use cell phones, like he has an earbuds. Old, he has like an old phone in his house. And it's the only, like, doesn't he have a phone? He has a phone in his house, doesn't he? I don't actually remember, but I wouldn't be surprised. I remember, just, I know um, that he does all have, has a lot of candles in his house. I know he doesn't yeah, do electricity. Yeah, because electricity doesn't work. And yeah. like his heater, like he has like a wood stove because like the heating doesn't you know, work. Old, and old, so. it's, it's like an old uh, steam furnace type stuff. Yeah. Like, kind of like that. And yeah. he, I, that's just something that it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't know in my mind that if you could hypothetically think about magic is, you know, interacting with all these waves of energy and like the techno technology has it's mm-hmm. transmitting its own waves of energy and it just fries cancels each other out but he I mean, talks about yeah. he won't go into offices because yeah. he'll fry the computers and like he won't go into hospitals. Like, there's many times he gets injured and he's like, please don't take me because he's going to kill someone on life support because he's like, I'll like, you like wheel me in there and then I'll fry the machine and like people will die. Like, don't take me to a hospital. But then you get to other like other other IPs like such as like Full Metal Alchemist where magic essentially or alchemy 
is an essential component on making things move. Like they mm. like they whenever they they put um, like that they have certain machines and things like that. They like specifically use alchemical formulas formulas to make things move and uh, and function even mm-hmm. to a certain extent. And so you still you kind of get it the other way too. But that's it's it's not modern by any stretch of the means. To, yeah, to a different whole different world. A whole different world, and I have yet to. I mean, but I feel like it almost works better for him and it kind of gives him a little bit of a an excuse to have things kind of go wrong for him for harry or and i i i I may rephrase that i like how jim butcher sets it up because it allows him to put uh, have thing you know bad things happen to harry or whenever something bad is happening to make it a little go a little worse well and i think and and put him in a little more dire because so you could think that magic basically would make someone a god. Like magic gives you, is makes you all powerful. And but there's always consequences. And always I like, yeah. And I like that with the technology. I mean, not only can he not have modern conveniences, but it's an automatic separation. Yeah. Like he is, he, he is separated time. from humanity, and he doesn't. To an extent, he's still a human, and he still craves, you know, human comfort and mm-hmm. being around others. But I think that that's part of it. Is well, you have all this power, but look, like look what you're missing because there's this automatic separation of you and the rest of you know humanity. Yeah. Like you can't really well, truly be with them. And live in the way that they want to live. No, you can't, and you kind of, kind of see that as, as the, as the story goes along, you know, really heavily, especially whenever he starts to find out that you know Victor Sells is this guy that he's looking mm-hmm. for, because you start to find out Victor is kind of like almost cutting himself off from his humanity. Yeah, and Victor's to, really to, to to go after this this um, the, this uh, magic that he so badly mm-hmm. wants. Like and for he vengeance, did, he, and right? He, he I did, mean, I won't say why he wants vengeance. Yeah, but and he's he's basically trying to go up against uh, Johnny Marcone. Yeah, essentially. he wants vengeance on him, and it makes yeah. sense when you figure out why. But um, Victor Stells really is sad, especially near the end. Oh God, yeah, he's, he's an idiot because he doesn't understand any of the magic he's doing, and he doesn't. He, he summons the demon. It's, it's like a small child that yeah. has a machine gun. It's what it feels like. I mean, I don't know that this is ruining too much, but in the end, when he summons that toad demon, and he yep. says his name three times, and then Harry is like, or whatever, you know, he says the name, and Harry's like, thank you, because then Harry says the name again and then suddenly has power over the yep. demon and Victor Sells know, has no idea he, he and it's like yeah. you're you're an idiot like you don't have any idea how any of this works which good to me goes back to the whole idea of how sad it is that there's no one there's no system there's no help to explain magic to poor people like Victor who have potential and could do good things and yeah, could help others, all. but it's just like, oh, here's like a box of matches and like a giant haystack. Go have fun and just figure stuff out on your own. Yeah, I mean, and, like and, that's gonna work out great for everyone. No, yeah, like you like you said it, and, and it's absolutely never never works out for him. And like you said, he he ends up having to try and fight Harry. And even though Harry at this point, like whenever Harry eventually goes to. Um, Victor's the, lakeside house, yeah, the lake house, and then confronts the him. Big 
confrontation. He, you know, Victor is like basically on steroids at this point because he's got a big emotional storm going on. Yeah. And he's absorbing all this, all this energy. Front. And Harry is like, I, I'm not going to be able to go one-on-one with this guy. I can't just go, you know, bull rush him. But he ends up, you know, just redirecting. Fights smarter, not he, harder. Far, yeah, exactly. He fights smarter, not harder. And basically redirects all of, you know, Victor's uh, spells and things right back at him, mm-hmm. essentially. And so, like you said, it ends up, Victor ends up getting consumed almost, basically almost consumed by his own magic. Mm-hmm. And he ends up, he ends up, you know, burning, getting burnt alive and all that jazz in his house. But because of things that he created, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it's really kind of funny um, I mean, <laughs> I, don't I, hate know to, if I would call that. I mean, funny. I think it's I think it's funny because in a way that he poetic justice. I mean, it's more poetic justice. Yeah. That's a better word for it. I think it's I think it's sad and poetic justice. That's a better phrasing mm-hmm. of it. So it's it's sad that he 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 really thought that if he had all this power, it would make him happy. And it's kind of you can kind of put that parallel. It's like real life, you know, all these people really think, you know, if I have more power, if I got more if money. If I have more money, if I have this or if that I have more or fame, this new car. They basically have this hole that they want to fill and they mm-hmm. think that it's going to make them happy and it, all it does is make them want more. You have to yeah. shove more and more stuff into the, in your, into, that, into that hole to try to satisfy that that need. And that's, it, that's a very a very basic human emotion that he really pulls in there. And I, I like that a lot, that he really puts that front and center on him. I think he does that. Jim Butcher does that well with the books. Like, I just feel like there's a lot of moral lessons. And especially as the series goes on, Harry is confronted with a lot of very bad situations. Oh, and yeah. things where it's like, you know, almost, I don't know, like a Batman sort of complex of like, do I just kill this person out of rage and like, but thinking of the moral, moral implications of that. And what's that line? You never mm-hmm. you give there, you give yourself that line that you never cross yeah. and everyone has that. And that's the thing is you have to tell yourself that over and over and over again. Otherwise you become the thing you hate essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, Everyone has that. And even though you may not mental or like, like you may not, you know, think of it like in the front of your mind, you might not do it consciously, but everyone does it subconsciously in a sense. So, um, and so as you kind of, kind of see that, um, as you subconsciously kind of do that kind of stuff, you, you know, it just gives you, you give more and more ground that you give up as you become that thing that you don't want to be and i i don't know maybe it's just it's just me in general or me in particular that 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 it kind of feels that you know everyone does that but it's just really interesting that you 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 see that harry gets almost uh tested throughout the whole series on gets tested throughout the whole series on having to do this, you know, multiple times. There's, and that's what I like about his Jim Butcher's books is that they, he constantly puts him in these scenarios to try and see if, I guess, you know, what would you do? 
um, in these scenarios. And I, 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 you know, shudder to think about, you know, what would I do in these, some of these scenarios that Jim Butcher puts Harry into. And it's just very interesting to hear that uh, he, he is constantly trying to put him in these, in these kind of scenarios and things like that. But, uh, but it, it, it is, you know, it is, it, is, it is nice that he puts him in these kind of scenarios, I think, mainly, because you want to see what's, the, what's, what's Harry's breaking point, and I, that's the nice thing, I guess you could say, you can do for, you know, literary characters, because you don't want this to ever really happen to, to real people, you know, but, like, what, where, how, far, how far can Jim Butcher push Harry, and, like, you know, how, how much can he make him his punching bag, essentially, and you kind of see that throughout the whole series really yeah i mean it gets more intense as the books go on if and i see that my friend tori's issue of like why isn't he dead like there's no oh yeah way and it's like well yeah granted being a wizard makes you stronger and luckier in some ways you make your own well, luck but at the same that, time he always gets that magical MacGuffin in the end that like gives him a little bit of a boost or he makes a deal with somebody and he ends up, you know, becoming a better per, or I mean, a little bit stronger about the, over the whole thing. And it's it's just really interesting, you know, that that he he you know he kind of does that on purpose, I guess, to make him more interesting. But also, it gives him that little that edge. Did you read Battleground? Yeah, I finished all of them. Yeah, I just, okay. Well, I didn't. So read, I was gonna say, I did, so I did, you I didn't know read it. I didn't read it, but I listened. I'm, I'm, I'm very much an audiobook kind of guy with that kind of stuff. You know me, so. But I. Well, because I mean, Harry is a. I mean, saying the word like because they don't even explain it, but he's a starborn, and so that's part of the reason. For yeah, all he, of this he has the kind of the, luck and strength. Very much so. But they still haven't really explained what all that entails. But I will say, even from. And I feel like early on, he's he starts bringing in some things that are coming about near the end. Still, and it's pretty amazing. But you know, like I said, we'll we'll see how it goes and things like that. But it's not to really over go crazy over because I want to get I want to really get um, everything. I really want to try and get as much as I can into um, the other stuff, but um, at a later date, because we're going to go over some of that stuff. So these are going to be a little bit shorter episodes, but um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the essential. So they, they ended up actually adapting this quite a bit. Um, so this was actually, do you remember the awful sci-fi television show? They I did? never, you never watched saw it? it because I looked up the trailer for it and it made me really sad. So then I just didn't do anything with it. No, it's okay. This is actually what they adapted this uh, as a 90-minute as a uh, television pilot for uh, the sci-fi show, which just didn't last maybe like six episodes, even that maybe. But it, was, it wasn't very good in my opinion. Um, but they also adapted it to an eight-minute, eight-issue comic book series, which I don't remember if I bought that or not. I'd have I've to look again. I've read like one of them, but I think it wasn't... It wasn't as good. I just... Maybe it's just a me thing, but I like I like having more there to interpret and mm-hmm. you know use my imagination to try and versus the imagery imagery and stuff like that. Well, but. I only read I didn't read the Stormfront comic series, but I think you had Welcome to the Jungle. That is a separate and, and that was a original. Separate, yeah. Oh uh, yeah, that's actually set between Stormfront and I believe the second book. Fool Moon. Fool Moon, I believe it is. Fool, as in like, like you're fool. a fool. Yeah, fool, fool Moon. Um, 
So that that's that is you know we're gonna go over all that stuff. We can kind of you know peruse that a little bit more. But the plan is, guys, if if Jackie's willing to try to go through each of the uh, books individually, I kind of want to. I don't know if you really want to. But Seventeen so far. I know twenty is what we're shooting for. But I that's how much I love this series, and how much you really enjoyed this series as I, well. Yeah, I do love it. I will say that. It's, and we can we can go it's in kind of like bit. comfort food. It definitely is. It's kind of like when you don't feel very good, and you're just like, I just want to sit there or something. And I, mm-hmm. I, if if I don't feel good, I know I'll just sit there and I don't want to watch anything. I'll just turn on the audiobook because I've got it on mm-hmm. Audible. I'll just like throw. I've got the whole series on there, and I'll just flip it on and I'll listen to it, and I can listen to the sultry sounds of James Marster's voice in the background. Who is, by the way, if nobody's no no, if you don't know who James Marsters is. He's done all of the audiobooks except for one. The first one? No, he's done all of them. It's, it's like one in the middle. He didn't get to do um, Ghost Story, I think that's what it was. They had somebody else come in because it was a con- you know, conflict or whatever it was. They couldn't get in. But uh, James Marsh has play, famously played um, Spike, Spike on, off Buffy. Of, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer a long time ago. So that was... That was a really uh, good, fun thing, and he does a very, very excellent job narrating at, at the the whole story. I think um, Jim specifically might have uh, asked for him, which I can understand. Him. I would. I would, you know. I'm I would just ask saying. for him to play Harry Dresden. If I they, think he would make an excellent Harry he Dresden. He has a very good voice. He'd have to have a little Dresden. bit more, a little bit more scruff. I think maybe like a little bit of a like maybe five yeah, o'clock shadow. Yeah, he needs to be taller. Which eh, you can you can work on that a little bit, but it, it's I just think he would do an excellent job as Harry Dresden if they could get him to play it, or at least if they did like an animated version, if he does his voice, and they just yeah. that would be really cool to see. But but yeah, guys, that that is gonna be our Harry Dresden uh, episode uh, over Stormfront. Now again, guys, if you like this kind of thing, if you I know we went over Hitchhiker. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy last week with James. Uh, this week, like I said, we're going over uh, uh, Harry Dresden, Stormfront. Uh, if you guys like that we're hitting over kind of a little bit more, you know, literature, things like that, let us know. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, and just tell us, you know, hey, are you liking this series? Do you want us to keep going with these kinds of things? Let us know because that's the most important thing is we're making things these things for us and for you guys as well. And if you guys don't like what we're talking about, well, obviously we need to change a few things up. But, again, uh, hit us up at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com or at seriouslypointlessconversations about culture on, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram if that's uh, floats your boat. And we're also going to be on YouTube. So, like I said, just... Any critiques are the most important things uh, to help us out. But again, Jackie, thanks for uh, being here today. I know you're you're hitting the end of your your rope uh, because <laughs> you're just a little tired. I know from uh, you know just the whole sickness and whatnot. But uh, uh, I think we're gonna get out of here. Is that's not a plan to you? <laughs> maybe you can go sure. curl up maybe somewhere. Yeah, go sleep. Yeah, that's that's the plan. But anyways, guys, I hope you guys are having a wonderful uh, holiday season. Holiday season. Uh, by the time this comes out, it's going to be 2021. Hopefully, you're starting the new year off uh, well, and things are going your way. And like I said, I appreciate you guys. Anybody, any support that you guys throw away. Again, guys, have a wonderful holiday season. All right, guys. If you're interested in keeping up to date with new episodes on our channel, add us on any of your favorite podcasting apps, or subscribe to our YouTube channel at Seriously Pointless Conversations. 
If you have questions or concerns, please email us at seriouslypointlessconvo at gmail.com. We appreciate any feedback. Thank you for listening to our show.